0: But when his name was called, he got out of the tomb. He's not there anymore. And uh, our God conquered, conquered death. And we celebrate that today, this Resurrection Sunday. And, and not only that, uh, Mark shared with us, too, that there was Mary at the tomb, and she didn't recognize Jesus. She thought he was the gardener until Jesus called her name. And she recognized Jesus for who he is. And so this morning, this morning, we're going to start off in a time of of celebration and so I want you to uh, greet one another here in just in just a minute if you're a guest I would love for you to fill out a card maybe you picked up one on the way in or there's there's some uh, attached to your bulletin fill out a card let us know who you are how we can minister to you and then our praise team is gonna lead us lead us in a well it's a new song for us but it talks about just that very thing I talked about with Mary that when God called my name I came out of the grave I was dead in my sin but now I'm alive to live for Christ Jesus so would you please stand and greet one another
1: Break at the weight of your glory. I need a shell.
0: Continue the celebration, and uh, what a great opportunity it is just to celebrate with you from the baptismal waters this morning. Uh, you know, we we baptized by immersion for 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 a number of reasons. One of those is we believe that's what uh, that that's the example that Christ that's the example that Christ gave to us. But not only that, it's it's symbolic of well, it's symbolic of the song that we just sang. That we come into the water. Our old person, full of sin. But we are crucified with Christ. We're buried with him as we go down in the water. But when we come back up, we come back up as a new, a whole new creature, the Bible says. No longer to die to our sin, but, but to live eternally with the Father. This morning we have two candidates. And I want to ask our, our, our first to come on and make our way to the, to the baptistry this morning. We have... Amanda Satterwhite. That's right. So, Amanda, Amanda is uh, she's been part of our she's been part of our church for quite some time now, and and as I understand it, she was on a trip uh, not too long ago to uh, to um, what was the name of that Judgment Journey. Thank you. I, maybe I should have made some notes. Uh, judgment journey, and uh, the Lord spoke to her that time and said, you know, it's time you make this right. And she gave her life to Christ that night, and and so she's following through today in in baptism. And so we're excited about that. She's, you know, she's been a coach with us, a referee with with Upward for for many years now. She's a, a sophomore at Sandy Creek High School, but... I just I just wonder if, if there are friends and family who came today in support of Amanda you've been a part of this journey you've been a part of this journey all along if you don't mind just stand up and be recognized we thank you for thank you for coming so Amanda I just have a, a question for you um, can you tell me what is your profession of faith, this is my word of faith. amen and based on that Based on that proclamation, it's my pleasure, Amanda, to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ and raised to walk in a newness of life. All right. And next we have Ansley Black. right she's still here there we go all right we have we have Ansley this morning and Ansley um, she's she's been a believer for a little while as well and uh, she's a little bit nervous now looking out there there's 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 calls I see some of these people and there's calls to be a little nervous maybe for for you look at some of them but um (laughs) But you know, last week I, I, I said, I know you're a little bit nervous, but my word, you were front and center at that at that musical and, and you just did an awesome job and and so anyway, she said, All right, all right, I'm ready to be baptized. Uh, Ansley is um, Ansley's a second grader at Trinity Christian School and one thing I know about her is man, she loves gymnastics. And she's good at it too. She's good I, I was visiting their house one time, and there was a pull-up bar over the door. She was hanging upside down on the pull-up bar doing crunches, and I thought, I don't want her to get any bigger, and I'm not going to mess with her. That's, that's a tough cookie. But um, anyway, Anjali, this morning, I would just ask, uh, well, first of all, I, let, me, let, me, let me recognize her family as well. Are there any family and friends out here with Anjali you've been a part of her life? Would you please stand? All right. Thank you. Ansley. a simple question. What is your profession of faith? Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Excellent. Ansley. based on that, let step back this way just a little bit. Based on what you've just shared with the, with the church here, it's my, it's my privilege to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ and raised to walk the newness of life. Just join me in prayer? Father, it is always a good day to celebrate from the baptismal pool. Lord, I just, uh, I wonder if there are others who can hear my voice right now who would follow the example of these two girls, who would follow the example laid out by Jesus Christ, and come through the baptismal waters. There's nothing in this water that saves you, but Lord, it is an act of obedience. And I thank you for the girls who are, who were here this morning. Father, may we continue that celebration that Jesus Christ is alive, and we too may have eternal life through His blood. And it's in His name I pray. Amen.
1: Well, we don't celebrate people getting
0: wet today. We celebrate having a risen Savior.
1: And a God who saves. You'll please stand with us and continue singing. <laughs> Pray, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for dying on the cross and then raising again on the third day, for so we could come up with you when you come back, and please let the tithes and offerings be glory to you. You say, Amen. our sorrows, Calvary's lamb will bleed and die for the desperate, lost without him, this is Jesus crucified.
0: Your way up here and join me. You can be seated, but I want to make sure that you can make sure that you can see one of the screens. Okay, make sure you can see one of the screens. And so, man, already this morning we've been talking a lot about Easter, and ooh, I see a lot of bright colors on on you, uh, smiling faces. And so, um, but this morning I've got I've got a video I'd like for you to watch. Okay, and and just. Just FYI for for parents, uh, this this is a series. that's put out by Saddleback Church, Saddleback Kids, and uh, I get no endorsement, you know, kickback or anything from this. But I've just we watched several at my house. My kids love them. I think they're great. Uh, and so you can find them on YouTube. And the best part is they're free. Um, and so it's a it's a good thing to watch. You can you can have them watch it at at your house. We're going to watch this little video this morning. So if you will turn and. Find a screen here or there or here. The Story of Easter. Jesus' Sacrifice.
2: This is Jesus. Who is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. While Jesus was on Earth, He taught everyone about God's love and healed people from their sickness. He did many miracles like calming storms, <laughs> and even raised people from the dead. The Jewish leaders and teachers did not like what Jesus was doing or how he claimed to be the son of God. And so they made a plan to arrest him to get rid of him once and for all. Judas, one of Jesus' disciples, agreed to betray Jesus Come in, come in. and give him over to the religious leaders for some money. Jesus was in a garden praying and Judas showed the man who Jesus was. Jesus was arrested and taken to the rulers of the land so that they could decide what to do with him. Jesus was presented before the high council and they asked him if he was the Messiah, the savior of the Jews. They asked him if he was claiming to be the son of God. You say that I am. And the council was furious, and they shouted that Jesus was guilty, and he deserves to die. So they took Jesus before the Roman ruler, Pilate, and he heard the case against Jesus. Pilate didn't think that Jesus had done anything wrong.
3: Huh, seems okay to me.
2: They found him to be innocent, so Pilate said, that he would punish Jesus and then release him.
3: Huh? What?
2: But the crowd kept screaming louder and louder, crucify him, we want him dead. And because of the pressure of the crowd, Pilate turned Jesus over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. Jesus was hurt and spit on his clothes were torn and taken from him and a crown made out of thorns was put on his head he was beaten so badly that he could barely stand on his own and then he was forced to carry his cross so far up a mountain that he needed help because he could not do it on his own once Jesus made it to the place where he would be crucified called the Skull, the soldiers around him nailed him to the cross and waited for him to die. While Jesus was hanging on the cross, many people shouted to him, If you really are the Son of God, save yourself from the cross. But Jesus knew he had to die to forgive his people for their sins. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land. Three hours later, Jesus took his last breath and finally died. At that very moment, the curtain in the temple that separated the priests from God's holy place tore in two. A soldier watching the whole thing said, this man truly was the Son of God. Then a righteous man named Joseph came and placed Jesus' body in a tomb. Three days passed, and it seemed that there was no hope. But very early on Sunday morning, the woman who cared for Jesus went to go visit his body and found that his tomb was empty and that he was no longer there. Ah! Don't be afraid, said an angel. He is not here. He is risen. At this, the woman remembered that Jesus had told them that he would rise again on the third day. Woo-hoo! And ran to go tell the disciples what they had seen and heard. Huh? Hey-o. Ah! And then for the next 40 days, Jesus appeared to his disciples and many others and showed them that he was alive and well. He taught them that what he did was the only way that they could be forgiven and be with God forever. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life.
0: the story is the greatest love story that's ever been told that Jesus came down lived a perfect life but went to the cross he was he was dead and buried but resurrected and if we place our faith and trust in him if we turn from our sin and turn to follow him the Bible says that we too may have eternal life let's pray father thank you for the story of the cross and the empty tomb. May we all, children, adults alike, understand what it means to live in the power of the resurrection today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand once again as we continue. Singing. be seated. I failed to mention that our children's church this morning only goes up through kindergarten, so if there's some more children coming in or out or whatever, you, you may need to just, just be aware of that. But at this time, I want to ask uh, Sarah Chappelle to come forward, and she just wants to talk to you a little bit about uh, some of the things going on in her life and, and through through her school. Um, and So if you will, give her your attention. One, one evening I was in, when I was in college, I went over to visit some, some friends of mine, and I lived on the west side of campus, and they lived on the east side of campus, and so, but I, I made this journey, and, and I don't really know what all transpired that, that evening. We were probably doing something really important, like playing video games or watching a movie and eating a tub of ice cream or something, but I do remember that, uh, both of these guys that were that, that, that shared that shared this dorm room were guys I had gone to high school with. So we had known each other for quite some time. Now one of them was there. I went to go visit both of them, only one was there. Uh, the other the other guy was in the architecture, I mean the architecture lab. Sorry, that's what a lot of people called it. But I was in the architecture lab and had been there for quite some time. This was a Thursday night, and so I asked, I said, I said you know where is he and he said well he's he's got he's got a project due tomorrow he's been in the he's been in the lab all week Uh, so it got late and got late and he said and I said is he coming back He said, probably not so you want to just sleep in his bed I was like, I don't want to go back across campus there's a bed right here why not so I laid down and slept in, in my buddy's bed and the next morning I woke up and I found him standing staring out the window and and I said man, are you all right? And he said, I'm sorry, I woke up Tuesday morning and I have an eight o'clock class this Friday and I hadn't been to sleep and I was afraid if I laid down I wouldn't get up again. And so that was a tough class for him. Uh, But after that semester, he changed majors. (laughs) He changed majors from architecture to aerospace engineering. Now, it's not that the course load got that much easier. I mean, in fact, what you actually call those guys are rocket scientists, okay? They're, they had a t-shirt when I was there that it said on the back, call us when it does take a rocket scientist. 1-800, too hard for you. And so that's, that's the, that was the, he, he, he changed direction. Now, it made all the difference in his life. He went on, graduated, and he's a, he's a pilot today. Okay, it it made all the difference in his life, that change of direction in his life. This morning, we're going to look at the Gospel of Luke. And so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to the Gospel of Luke. And as we study this, as we study this passage, as we study the resurrection that's recorded for us by Luke, I want you, you to keep that in mind, that there is oftentimes a redirection or a reorientation in our life that can make all the difference. And so... If you are able, I would ask that you would stand in honor of reading God's Word. We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23. I'm going to begin in the very last couple of verses in chapter 23. Luke 23, 54. And it was the preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. Now the women who had come with him out of Galilee followed after and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and perfumes, and on the Sabbath day rested according to the, to the commandment. And then in chapter 24, we see this. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened that while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men... Suddenly stood near them in dazzling apparel. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified? And the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Father, thank you for your word. May it speak to us this morning. May it change lives. It's in the powerful name of Jesus I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So here it is, this resurrection morning, but they didn't know quite yet that it was resurrection morning. They thought it was the first opportunity that they would have to be good, obedient Jews and to follow the law and to take the spices that had, they had been prepared. They prepared the spices on Friday night because Saturday was a day of rest. Though, I don't know about you, in, in, in a day after, some, you, you might not do the typical tasks that you would do, but it's hard It's hard for me to believe that they truly had rest, uh, that, especially not in their spirit. I, I, I don't know what was going on, but it's hard for me to imagine that it was really a restful moment. But that Saturday was supposed to be a, a day of rest. So they had prepared the spices on Friday. The next opportunity they would have to visit the tomb and prepare the body would be Sunday morning. And they get up early. Early, the first light of day. It says early dawn. And they go to the tomb. And in verse 1, it says this, that they were looking for a body. Okay? that the, the ladies have prepared spices. <coughs> Sometimes, after a... After a death, there is a closure that comes with, with the family seeing the body or seeing the casket or, or, or visiting the tomb. And maybe that's what they were looking for, was just some final closure on this that had been a, just a tremendous, uh, just this, a, a terrible weekend. But they got there looking for a body. Maybe they were looking for closure, but what they found was something totally different. The stone was rolled away and there was no body. There were two, two men that looked a lot different than the men that they had seen before. These two men terrified them. Now notice there's no mention of the Roman guard. The Roman guard had fled. But I want you to listen to what these two men said to the ladies. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why are you looking... For the living one among the dead. And that question this morning, that question this morning, I believe, will redirect us, will reorient us in a new direction. In at least three different ways. It it redirected these ladies, and I believe it can redirect us as well. It reorients us from, first of all, from the sense of feeling, our just, just going with our feelings, to a sense of truth, especially the truth of Scripture. Okay, it also will reorient us from being slaves to the law, to the freedom that is the gospel. And finally, it reorients us from death into life as we no longer consider the cross as final, but the resurrection. So first of all, this morning, that question, why do you look for the living among the dead? It reorients us from a sense of our feelings to a sense of truth. You know, because in essence, they were saying, look, I know you're here looking for a body. You're looking for a corpse. You feel like there should be a dead man here. But the truth is, he's not. You feel like this ought to be the place. But the truth is, it's not what you're looking for. Verses 6 and 7. Remember how he spoke to you while he was in Galilee. You see, we're redirecting them from their feelings to the words of Jesus. Remember how he spoke to you saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Remember, those are the words of Jesus. Even though you feel this way, these are the words of Jesus, and that is truth. You know, it's a real similar tactic that Jesus used when he was being tempted by Satan. Satan would share something with him and perhaps in that moment of having gone through 40 days of of fasting he felt one certain way but jesus remembered the truth of scripture and was able to fight off the devil by simply remembering and quoting scripture see in the midst of our difficult days or even or even our best days it's good it's always good to go back to scripture to be reminded of the words of jesus so here's just a here's just a few feelings that we have from time to time and how the Bible answers those maybe you're feeling down just depressed maybe you just are overwhelmed with some anxiety remember that you're a child of God John the gospel of John chapter 1 verse 12 says but as many as received him to them he gave the right to become children of God even to those who believe in his name who were born Not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Feeling down? Remember, you're a child of God. But the truth is, not everyone is a child of God. That's a popular thing a lot of people like to say. We're all children of God. But that's just really not the way that it comes across in Scripture. It's not the way it comes across in the Bible. Not everyone is a child of God. Everyone has the opportunity, but not everyone is a child of God. You see, the gospel tells us the good news it's through the gospel through through that understanding and placing our faith in Jesus that we can become a child of God the gospel is good news but before it's good news it's bad news this past week we had an issue with our car and I uh, had to take it take it to the mechanic the good news is good news is the, the, the whole procedure should only take about an hour and a half maybe two hours just got to replace some clamps on a hose. The bad news, it's going to take four days to get the part in. So the gospel is a little like that. There's bad news and then there's good news. The bad news is everyone is, has, has sinned and because of your sin, you, you can't go to heaven. You're condemned to die. That's the bad news. Oh, and there's nothing you can do about it. The good news is Jesus Christ has already done something about it. You simply have to place your faith and trust in him. That's the good news. Jesus came, died on the cross, not only for you, but instead of you. When when I'm talking with the youth, I I use something that I heard from J.D. Greer, the gospel in four words, Jesus in my place. Because of my sin, I should have been on the cross. But thanks be to God that his holy, righteous, never sinned son came and died on the cross in my place, that he bore my sin, that I may have his righteousness. And the Bible says that because of that, we can be adopted into the family of God. We are joint heirs with Christ. He is the son of God. I, too, can be a child of God. So not everybody is a child of God because not everybody is a believer. But you can be. You can be today. You can be a child of God. And when you're feeling down, it's good to go back and remember, you know what, this world might be tough on me, but I'm a child of God. We need to be redirected from feeling to the truth of Scripture. <clears throat> now, our, our world, our culture, has become fixated on this idea of a relative truth, which is actually a contradiction in, in terms. Because it's either true or it's not. Truth cannot be relative. Now, I understand that in our world, not everything is black and white. That sometimes we get a little area in, that we feel like is in between and, and it's hard to distinguish. I, I get that, but, but listen, just because we recognize there's a dawn or there's a dusk, it doesn't mean we can't tell the difference in night and day, okay? We, we know there's a night and day. Now, there's, there's a dawn, there's a dusk, there's a little bit of... But we know that there's night and day. This past summer, uh, my family went on a vacation to Florida. I was walking along the beach, and I thought about how's the... You know, you know where, where you, you walk where the sand is a little bit more solid and the waves can come over and and, and wash against your feet and that little area, that shoreline, okay? Just because there's a shoreline doesn't mean that I can't distinguish between standing on dry land or swimming in the ocean. If I'm in that in-between, I'm not either. And so maybe you're here today and you're saying, I'm not sure if I'm a child of God. Listen, you can be sure. You can be certain. You don't have to wonder In the in-between areas truth is truth and it's not relative the ladies felt there should be a body that there should be a corpse I mean after all they had visited a tomb but the reality of the situation is rooted in scripture scripture supersedes our feelings and it overrules our experience experience says when I am wronged, I should seek revenge. Because that's what feels what's right. That feels good. I think that revenge would be good for me. That's what experience might tell us, or what our feelings might tell us. But Scripture says, no, 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 no. Seek restoration through forgiveness. Seek restoration through forgiveness. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you I understand the feeling that you have when you've been wrong. I know how I feel when I've been wrong, but I can't say that I understand your situation. But the good news is, this is not me telling you that you ought to forgive. It's God's word that says we ought to forgive. So, if, if, there's, a, if there's an issue with, with extending forgiveness, your issue is not with me, your issue is with the word of God, because that is what Jesus says we ought to do. And he gives several illustrations about how if someone is forgiven, then they too turn and extend forgiveness. He even prays in the Lord's Prayer, Father, forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. And I don't know your situation. There's no way I can know every situation in this room and understand your feelings. But the truth is, we're to extend forgiveness. One of the most heinous Crimes and acts against children has been revealed in the last few months in the United States. Maybe you're familiar with Larry Nasser. He was a he was a physician at uh, Michigan State and also with the U.S. gymnastics team and behaved terribly with some of the children entrusted to his care. Rachel Denhollander was one of those young ladies she's now in her 30s and just a few weeks ago at his trial several of those women came forward to testify Miss Denhollander was the last person the last the last lady to give her testimony and it's a pretty lengthy testimony but a portion towards the very end says says this the Bible you speak, now I will say this, during the court trial apparently Mr. Nasser brought a Bible in with him each day. She says, the Bible you speak carries a final judgment where all of God's wrath and eternal terror is poured out on men like you. Should you ever reach the point of truly facing what you have done, the guilt will be crushing. And that is what makes the gospel of Christ so sweet because it extends grace grace Hope and mercy where none should be found. And it will be there for you. I pray you experience the soul crushing weight of guilt so you may someday experience true repentance and true forgiveness from God, which you need far more than forgiveness from me. Listen, though I extend that to you as well. Here's a girl that understands it. This is a a lady that understands the forgiveness that comes through Christ and in turn seeks to forgive those who have wronged her. We may not feel like forgiving one another, but the Bible says the truth is we forgive. Just a few others. We may feel oppressed by this dark world and all that lies ahead, but Jesus says, here's the truth in Scripture, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world Our mind oftentimes hungers and searches for something that is real and Jesus says I am the bread of life we search for something to quench our thirsty souls and he is the living water where we are wandering aimlessly and in search of eternal life Jesus says I am the way the truth and the life maybe we feel abandoned and all alone we remember that Jesus Christ the Son of God is Emmanuel God with us and he promises to be with us even until the end of the age. So we have feelings sometimes, but we must remember and go back and be reoriented into the truth of Scripture. Now, life granted, life would be miserable without emotion. We're not robots, okay? But, but our emotions, our feelings are to accompany the truth and to accompany our decisions. They are not to govern or, or, or to rule over our lives and so this first orientation this question why do you seek the living among the dead don't you remember what he said it's reorientation from our feelings back to the truth of Scripture back to the words of Christ but secondly that we have a reorientation from the law to the gospel in the in the death burial and resurrection of Jesus he come he, he has come to fulfill the law Matthew five seventeen, 17 Jesus words he says do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. And then in Romans chapter 4, Paul is talking about Jesus, and it says that he was delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. Our justification, our reconciliation, is not found in keeping the law. Rather, it is simply found in placing our faith and trust in the completed work of Christ. Again, a story from when I was in college. I, I, I met a, a man who would come to the dorms and have Bible studies for us. And uh, we simply called him Crazy Carl because uh, his name was Carl and he was a little bit crazy. And so, but, but he had Bible studies for us and man, he would, he would pound some truths into us really hard. He told us one day, he said, look, my job isn't to beat you up. My job is to toughen you up so you know how to best answer the skeptics in this world. And he asked me one time, he said why are you a Christian my best answer my best answer was well I was raised in a Christian church and my parents went to church and I guess that's why I'm a Christian he was he was asking that question as to say what about other faiths have, have you looked into them have you considered anything else but what it did is it propelled me to really investigate and, and I found two things especially stick out to me one is that and if if religion is one of the one of the concerns of religion is is the afterlife I want to follow the guy that passed the death test I mean he was dead and he came back if it has to be afterlife why not follow that guy you know we're talking about an empty tomb today we're not talking about a tomb that's full of bones there's a lot of religions all over the world that go to visit a tomb because there's bones in there. Hey, my God, there's no bones in his tomb. He's risen. So I want to follow the guy that passed the death test. That's one. But number two, the thing that makes Christianity so different is it's not that I have to work toward God, but that God came to me. Now I don't know if there's any mathematical brains in here or not, but This is is something that's interesting, interesting to me. I am a finite being. There are some things I can do. There are some things I can't do, will never be able to do. But God is an infinite being. No matter how great of a person I am, my finite being could never reach an infinite God. Infinity is too far away. Whatever I think how great I am, he's better. I would never be able to reach him. I could climb the scale as far as I could go, but he's an infinite God. I couldn't reach him no matter how good I am. The only way that that, that that works out is for that infinite God to come down and meet me where I am. And that is what Jesus has done. He has come to meet us. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Listen, my good works simply aren't good enough, but they don't have to be. This, the women, this that, that, that resurrection morning, the women came as obedient Jews doing what they thought was right but they left as forgiven and justified sinners and therein lies freedom that the work has already been completed on the cross and in the resurrection if I, if I might I want to share a quote from Joyce Meyer she says this about the gospel I finally realized that the gospel is not about rules okay, hold on it's about loving God and each other. So what have you done this week to help out someone you know? I'm sorry, Ms. Meyer, but uh, no. No, that's not the gospel. That's exactly backwards, in, in fact. That's not the gospel. It's not, the gospel isn't how well you can love God or love others. In fact, it's not how well you can do anything. The gospel is what Jesus Christ has already done. So it's not about how well you love others or how well you love, that's that's not the gospel. Martin Luther said that that we receive justification through faith alone, it's not faith plus something else. In fact, if you think about loving God and loving others, what Jesus said about that was actually, that's the greatest commandment. On all the law, all the prophets hang on that commandment, so it's almost as if she said, the gospel is not about following rules, oh, except for this great big rule that summarizes all of the other rules, which doesn't make any sense. So the gospel isn't just how well you can love God or how well you can love others. That comes as a result of the gospel having transformed your life. You'll never be, listen, maybe this, you'll, you'll never be more Christ-like by focusing on the fruits. You have to focus on The roots. The root is Jesus Christ. And the, as much as we revisit the gospel and, the, and we revisit the cross and we revisit the empty tomb and we understand what he has done for us, the fruit naturally comes as a part of that. I can't take pears and staple them on that tree out there and say, wow, look how fruitful the tree is. But I have to pay attention to the roots and the tree will naturally Bear fruit. That's the way it is in our lives. We pay attention to the gospel. We revisit Jesus Christ and what he has done, and then the fruit of our life becomes evident. So the second reorientation is that we go from the law to the gospel. The last reorientation here is we go from death to life. We go from the cross to the resurrection. Notice in verse 6 what the angel said He's not here. He is risen. Stop looking for a dead body. He's alive. Friday night, we considered the cross and all that that represents and the goodness that's there. We are thankful for that. But the cross is a symbol of death. Today, we look at the empty tomb, and the tomb is a symbol of death conquered. Without the resurrection, really all of life is a slow death as I approach forty my body doesn't always do what it used to Um, I can't be quiet anymore like if I'm on the floor and have to get up my knees pop I can't be quiet everything makes this noise Uh, I I can't eat honey buns and drink Mountain Dew for breakfast anymore man I used to be able to do that Uh, I I I can't I can't function that way anymore there was a time I know none of you probably believe it. There was a time I could dunk a basketball on 10-foot goal. That time's past. Not going to happen anymore. Uh, just last year, I was in the weight room. Got a herniated disc. Man, I had to Listen, I, I had the opportunity to, to drive for the senior adults, and we got to talk about physical therapy. That was awesome. <laughs> I got to talk. I, I was able to share some of my experiences they shared with me. My body doesn't function the way it always, it always has. And in, in essence, my body, my body is dying. But listen to the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, 7 through 11. He says this. For whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law but that which is that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith listen that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead o oh death where is your victory o oh death where is your sting? This body is dying, but my soul lives on forever. Why do you look for the living one among the dead? It reorients our perspective to an eternal one, a hope in eternity. This, di- this, this body will one day be a corpse, but praise God, my soul is eternal. C.S. Lewis is often quoted with this following uh, statement here. He's often credited with this following quote, but I really can't find that that's... That's really credible. Uh, regardless, regardless, as one of my professors said about the book of Hebrews, we're not sure who wrote it, but it's good stuff. So C.S. Lewis, uh, maybe he said it, maybe he didn't. But, it, but, but here's the quote. You do not have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. Now, I don't know if he said it or not, but that's good stuff. Because it reminds me that this body is temporary but my soul will live on forever. This last reorientation takes us from death to life, from the cross to the resurrection. Why do you look for the living one among the dead? That question changes our perspective from our feelings to the truth. Changes our perspective from law to the gospel and from death to life. But listen It really only applies To some of us in this room If you've never placed your faith and trust In Jesus Christ Then the ultimate truth of scripture Has never transformed you Truth isn't just about An an intellectual ascent Of knowledge and facts Truth is actually embodied In Jesus Christ himself And so I ask you today, will you reorient your life and your eternity? Not only that, if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you will strive to work for your salvation, and it'll never be enough. Your eternity, you'll go into eternity thinking, man, I've done a lot of good. But that isn't the gospel. That isn't the gospel. It's not about what you've done or do. It's about what Jesus Christ does, has done, and will do in you. And lastly, if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then when you take your last breath on this earth, you'll not wake up in the presence of the Lord, but actually in an eternity apart from him. Again, C.S. Lewis talks about The just God, the just God gives in eternity what we have sought here on this earth. If our life, our whole life, we've been pursuing uh, to to stay away from God, if we've been an affront to the holy God, if if we have uh, chosen to not follow after Him, that wouldn't it be a good thing that in eternity that's what we get? However, if in this life we have chosen to pursue truth and righteousness, if we've chosen to pursue Jesus Christ, wouldn't it be good if in eternity that is what we also receive? We get in eternity what we've pursued in this life. So may we all stop looking for the living one among the dead. Because he's not in the tomb, he is risen. And you too may join him in the power of the resurrection. Won't you come? Won't you come and allow Jesus Christ to reorient your life, your eternity. Father, I thank you for. I thank you for this Easter Sunday. I thank you that we're not dead and, and lost and dead in our sins and our transgressions but that Jesus Christ came, lived, died, and conquered death, that we too may have life, eternal life. Lord, I don't want to live under the law. I want to live under grace. I want to live in accordance to the gospel. May I understand that in every area of my life. Father, don't let my feelings determine what happens in my life, but may my life be based upon the truth of Scripture. And Lord, thank you. Thank you for saving me. Back when I was in second grade and I heard the gospel and I turned away from my sin and chose to follow Jesus Christ. Father, may we turn from death to life this morning. You move, you speak, and may we listen. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please stand.
1: Who can cheer the heart like Jesus? Come uh-huh.
0: you would be seated for just one moment. Looking for my notes to make sure I didn't forget any.